take your Bibles, if you would, let's go to Exodus chapter number 20. And uh, we just heard my favorite group, my favorite, man, they're my favorite, that's right. They didn't sound as good as they did on the CD, but. <clears throat> the title of today's message, Accept No Substitutes, which might go with the song we just heard, I'm not sure, but um, <clears throat> Exodus chapter number 20. And last night, we presented the first commandment, and the first commandment talks about uh, we're only to worship God. But the second commandment is very similar in that uh, it, it doesn't say that we can't have false gods, but that we can't have false worship. And false worship is extremely common. As a matter of fact, people with maybe genuine hearts are involved in false worship. And I wonder just before we start, have you, have I, accepted a substitute? Father, we come before you and we ask for your blessing as we look at your word, we read your word. Lord, would you uh, illuminate our hearts? Would you bring uh, into focus your incredible eternal truth? And Lord, help us to change. Lord, we want to follow you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 1 starts off, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. That's significant because God is saying, I created you and I delivered you. You should follow me. Verse number three, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we developed the message last night about putting God first. And then verse four, all the way down, ending with verse number six, four, five, and six, is the second commandment. It goes like this. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now that's, that's an amazing thing. Right there at the end of verse number 5, it talks about visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And hating God is tied to false worship. That is, they're not held guilty for the sins of their fathers, but they will suffer for the sins of their fathers. God's not putting their sin to, that sin to their account, but the consequences are. Now, God desires, God deserves, and God demands worship. You were created, I was created, to worship the living God. And inside of us, we have a desire to worship. If you decide not to worship the God of heaven, 
you are going to find something else to worship. We are made to worship. Well, I already mentioned that the first commandment speaks of who to worship. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second commandment tells us how to worship. It forbids false gods and false worship. Because a false god, an image created with man's hands, misrepresents God. And you don't want to be misrepresented. You don't want somebody to say something to you that, or about you that you don't agree with. Um, I've done a little bit of, of debating work on um, difficult issues on Capitol Hill. And one of the things that uh, you're coached and trained to do is not respond with a yes or a no, but always reframe the sentence to exactly what you want to say. They ask you a direct question, don't answer yes or no, because it will be used against you. And God wants us to comply with his form of worship, his idea, and not our own. See, an idol, what is an idol? An idol is anything you love more, fear more, or honor more than God. Now, God is our creator and our maker. I said yesterday, he's our designer and our engineer. And an idol is an imitation of that creation power. We mold idols and then idols mold us. We cast idols of metal and then we are recast mentally in that same image. In John chapter 4 and verse 24, you know this passage, it speaks that about an idol being physical, but God being spiritual. It specifically says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It absolutely is essential that you and I worship the Lord God in spirit and in truth. Now, maybe you've heard that common story of that little girl that was trying to draw a picture of God. And the teacher came and said, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. And she looked up and said, they will when I'm done. And we all think we've got the corner and, and we know what God is like and what he's doing. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 25, it says this, To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Whom will ye liken me? The Holy One of Israel, the Lord God Almighty says, I have no equal and he wants no one to twist and mold his image into their likeness. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 15 says, Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire. That is, you didn't see anything, so don't try to manufacture anything. You know Romans chapter 1, and that's the last step 
as man descends into destruction, the Bible says in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now that's exactly what the children of Israel had experienced in Egypt. And remember those ten plagues all represented various gods or groups of gods that the Egyptians and the modern society of that day saw as science and the higher power. And there was some truth to what they saw. But it was an absolute truth. It was an image. It was a perversion. It was a twisting of what God was. Actually, idols allow us to worship the work of our own hands. See, image worship humanizes God and deifies man. And we love that. Humanism. Now, there is an argument, it's a bad argument, but it's given a lot, that this idol or this image is simply an aid to worship. But God strictly forbids it. Now, in our text here, Exodus chapter 20, hopefully you're still there. Verse number 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And here's why. You you shall not bow down nor serve them for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. God reveals something about himself. He says, I'm jealous. And I don't want these other things that are similar that you don't fully understand and you see them as higher in some degree, I'm jealous. Now, an athlete has no right to be jealous of another athlete because that athlete doesn't own athletics. And a musician has really no right to be jealous over another musician because they don't own music. But a man and a wife can be jealous over each other for... That man is to be the husband of one wife. That wife is to only see her husband. And when that is stretched to some degree, they have right for jealousy. And God says, you belong to me, creation, and I have right to be jealous. And no aids of worship You worship me directly. Now, let me give you four little things here about what idols, false gods, false worship will do. Number one, false gods or idols will disappoint. They'll disappoint you. Jeremiah chapter 10. And if you have your Bible, you do have your Bible, of course. Go to Jeremiah chapter number 10. I'm used to in my church, if you have your Bible, um, And then all the people that just walked in are like, what's a Bible? I don't know. Jeremiah chapter 10. And really the whole chapter is really about idols. 
Hear ye the word of the Lord, verse 1, which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the ways of the heathen. Let me say that again. Learn not the ways of the heathen. It is actually an effort that I make to not know the names of the pop stars and the I don't want to know them. I don't want to recognize their name. I don't want to recognize that that song. I, I the music of my life has to be my worship to God. You and I are made for the worship of God. And here God is using the voice of Jeremiah to tell his people, you're getting this all wrong. Learn not the ways of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heaven, uh, for the uh, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cut at the a tree out of the forest, the work of his hands, of the, uh, of the workmen with an axe. They deck it with silver and with gold and fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as palm trees and they speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them for they cannot do evil. Neither also as it is in, is it in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. And it goes on to explain the fear of God and and the foolishness of worshiping the work of men's hands. Those who make idols will soon be disillusioned because the gods they made are simply false And lifeless. And we have those gods today. And these gods, we often call influencers. And they promise to make you into something. They say, wear our label and you'll be popular. Buy our product and you'll be successful. Drink our coffee and people will think you're rich. You'll actually be poor because you just lost five or six dollars. But you'll... Now, when we were first starting the church, we were, we were serving coffee and, and stuff at the church and different things and, and trying to get a few people in. And, and, um, and people felt really awkward around me coming into the church. And we were meeting in this community center and um, people would be coming in in just tank tops and shorts, and here I am in my suit, and they're like, what in the world's going on? So I said, I've got to do something, and I, and I got a cup. I got a coffee cup, and I, and I stood out there with my coffee cup, and I greeted people, and man, that worked great. If I hide behind this little styrofoam cup, I mean, people feel secure. It worked tremendous. And, and then we had two young Marines come and get right. They, they were amazing guys, and and they wanted to greet people. And I said, man, get you a cup and greet people as they're coming in. <laughs> well, they didn't like coffee. So they got some big old humongous cans of monster drink. <laughs> and, I, and I came in the next week and I said, guys, I, I, I don't know. The mon-? He says, well, it gives you energy. It makes you feel good. I think, I said, I think that is not actually energy. It's probably so many toxins. It's just agitating you. you just... I said, 
no monster drinks. And they were like, what? So I saw them out there, and they had coffee cups. And I was like, guys, all right. And they opened the lids, and there's monster drink inside. (laughs) But we get disappointed. We think this is going to work. We think this is going to, this label, this, this brand, this. And we order something from Amazon, and in comes the Amazon truck, and you open it up, and it is a piece of junk. <laughs> we idolize things, and it simply disappoints us. Hmm. Ma'am, sir, your dream car, or house, or boat, or spouse. It's not going to work out. You can idolize. And I'm not just talking about the heathen across town. I'm talking about us here tonight. We can idolize and lift things up only to disappoint ourselves. God used the prophet Habakkuk to say, What prophet? What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? the molten image and the teacher of lies, that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols. And we put our trust and our hopes into stuff. Only dis- disappoint. Not only do idols disappoint, but they, they dominate. Idols come in and they dominate our lives. That is a, a, a dream house, a dream boat, a, a dream whatever, can start to dominate your mind and your thoughts and your actions. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 2, it says, Ye know that ye were, it's talking to Christians, ye were Gentiles, carried away unto those dumb idols, even as ye were led. The world as it worships gets carried away, gets dominated, gets controlled. See, what you love, honor, or fear more than God will carry you away. Sometimes the word we use today for the effect of idols is addiction or oppression. And I think we overemphasize the physical and the emotional. And forget about the supernatural. Many of you and I, of of us here tonight, in the next year, will fall prey to the lure of promotion, which will lead to neglect of sacred time with the Lord or our family. The promise of fame will lead us to compromise our integrity. And for pleasure or profit, convictions are thrown out the door. As we follow what promises to be our maker, our creator, and our new identity. This is what I want to identify as. Sometimes it happens in what we call codependency. And you can break a codependency in your life by putting God first. Giving ultimate devotion 
to Christ and not to anyone else. Stop getting your identity from anything else but your creator. And the Lord Jehovah is your creator. Not only will idols disappoint and dominate you, they will duplicate you. They will put their imprint upon you. Psalms 115 in verse number 8 says, They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. That is, you get remade just as the promise is, but you'll be disappointed and dominated. We shape an idol, and it ends up shaping us. Now, the Lord Jesus ran into this quite a bit, but one story really stands out. You know this story. Jesus is going about and doing good and, and teaching the word, and he meets one of the greatest people ever. He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. Now, all the young ladies are looking to meet somebody like this. And there he is, and he is asking Jesus how he can be his follower, how he can get into the kingdom. He's asking him. And Jesus says something to him that he never says to anybody else. He says, go and sell everything you have, and come and follow me. Now, some people say, well, in order to be a follower of Jesus, in order to go to heaven, you have to give everything away and be poor, and then you're actually following Jesus. But that's not what Jesus said, and, and he didn't repeat that. What he was doing is putting his finger on the false god of that rich, young ruler. And there was a way to get out from underneath of that idol, but he chose not to take it. And the Bible says he walked away, maybe like Brother Barkowski was saying, and started to round first instead of turning away. You know, when you overrun first base, just building off Brother Barkowski's message, not only are you not supposed to turn your foot to indicate you're going to second base, but when you come back, you have to turn to your right. If you turn to your left, you can be tagged out. Yeah. And you know, when you turn to your right, what you're doing is turning your back on that option. You've turned your back on that option. Once you turn your back on it, it's time until we get to first base again and reset. And that's what we have to do. We have to turn our back. On false gods. You know, when you're in a tough situation, I want to encourage you. Maybe music, there's music playing, or something that's pulling you, and you know it's pulling you when you kind of like it, or when you kind of fear it, or when you kind of want to honor it. I want to encourage you, not just to be quiet and still, but be like those three Hebrew children that stood when everyone else bowed. They didn't just shuffle to the side, but they stood. And, and turn your back, turn your back on that option as it's trying to press you and form you into that mold. That's what Romans chapter 12 is talking about. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed.
And you are going to be transformed into the image of Christ, which God wants us to be. God's predestined us to be conformed to the image of this dear son. Or you're going to be conformed to this world. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? You walk after vanity, you become vain. I'd like to dig into social media again. You chase after this. It is going to build. Whatever social media platform you're working on, have detailed records of every color that caught your eye, every image, how long your eye looked at which part of that image. And it's all calculated and put into your specific algorithm. Now, I'm not telling you some insider thing. This is what the the owners of these platforms brag about. And they say, we are... We are making something special for each one of our users. They sure are. It's an idol to conform you. It's conformed to you, and then you conform to it. And it begins to lead you, lead you away. So idols will, number one, what? Oh, man, I feel disappointed. (laughs) Number one, idols will disappoint you but but secondly they begin to what dominate you and then thirdly they duplicate they stamp their image in your life but ultimately number four they destroy you the goal is destruction as brother rogers brought out uh yesterday i'd like to ask you to turn with me to the book of second chronicles everybody still rolling with me second chronicles Chapter number 26. And there's a great king there in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Mentioned in the book of Isaiah. 2 Chronicles 26. And we're going to jump all the way to verse number 16. The Bible says, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord, his God. Now, he's a follower of God. He's the king. He's a follower of God. His heart was strong, and and when he was strong, he was lifted up. Lifted up to destruction. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now, this is interesting. This is the king Uzziah, spoken of in Isaiah chapter number 6, the the vision that Isaiah saw of the glory and grandeur of God was the very year that King Uzziah died. But King Uzziah had sought the Lord. He had done good. He had followed the Lord. But he begins to trespass here. And I'm going to just call it a little bit of misguided worship. This is the second commandment tonight. We're talking about uh, false worship. This isn't necessarily false worship, and it's not a false god. It's not an idol. It's just a little bit misguided. Verse number 16, the king goes in to burn incense. 
Well, verse number 17. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And withstood Uzziah the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. And so God gives this king just a moment to turn. And his men are there, 80 of them, valiant men. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. He's angry. He's like, he's a strong man and he was lifted up to destruction. He's, he's, must have been June because he was, he was prideful. <laughs> and he's lifted up to destruction. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. Now here's a man, he's the king, he had done right, he had done well. But he had trespassed. He'd went a little bit too far. This was false worship. It wasn't exactly right. Now let's help him out a little bit. Let's say, but he had a good heart. Let's help him out a little bit. But he wanted to worship God. And he had an incense in his hand. He, he wanted to do this. God said, no way. Get him out. And he hastened out as well. He wanted out. Well, we could develop that more, but let's not. Let's go to verse uh, chapter 27, the next chapter. And this is his son. His son, Jotham. And verse number 1 and 2. Jotham was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. Who was his father again? Ahaziah and Jotham. And he began to reign and reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was uh, Jerusha. Help me out there. What was that? Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah did. Howbeit, this is interesting, don't miss this. He entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did yet corruptly. Now his father went a little bit too far. He was a little misguided, and he was thrown out of the temple. And so his son did well, but he didn't go far enough. And he didn't go into the temple. Interesting. Well, let's look at the next chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter number 28. Everybody following along with me here? Look at verse 1. Ahaz, this is Jotham's son. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. 
For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. And, and that's not a good thing. That's, that's not saying positive. That's very bad. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinoam and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now, what in the world is going on here? It's getting progressively worse and worse. We are made to worship. You will worship, ma'am. You will worship, sir. And your children will worship and your grandchildren will worship. Jump over. Skip to the, to the end here. Verse number 24. Second Chronicles 28, 24. And Ahaz, so it's the same guy, it's the grandson. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God. And what did he do with them? And what? And cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. Well, here's exactly what happened. Uzziah was a father with misguided worship. Now, fathers here, it is absolutely vital how you worship and how your worship is perceived. The words of your worship, the emotion of your worship, the diligence of your worship, the sacrifice of your worship. He did so well, but he was misguided a little bit. Jotham was a son with neglected worship, pulled back. Dad got leprosy in the house of the Lord. He pulls back. And Ahaz is a grandson with corruptive worship. And now the great-grandchildren are burned up in the fire. We are seeing this in the United States of America today. Worship is absolutely fundamental to our well-being. There's a lot we could develop and say here. I think we worship false gods to, to limit God's location. We want not just the elf on the shelf. We want God on the shelf. Stay there. I'll be back to check on you soon. We want to limit God's power. God made man in his image. And we want to make God in our image. And it's an attempt to limit the knowledge of God. Now, if you go back to Exodus chapter 20, we've developed everything but the last verse there. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 6, describing God. And we saw a very negative element in verse 5, but there can be no negative without a positive. And here's the positive in verse number 6. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. When you serve God and put the commandments of God in your heart and give yourself to love them, you'll find delight and fulfillment. 
You will be delivered from your false gods and the ones that are coming down to allure you, and you will experience that freedom. The freedom that Jesus spoke of, if the Son therefore shall make you free, say with me, ye shall be free indeed. You will be free from the expectations, the obligations, and the approval that we crave from men and groups and influencers in society. You can be delivered and you will develop. You will develop into what God wanted you to be. You will flourish. Remember, an idol is anything you love more, fear more, or honor more than God. Now the problem is, where is God? Who is God? What does he want? And Philip asks Jesus that once. He said, show us the Father. And Jesus replied to him, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That is, we've got to fall in love with Jesus. We need to memorize his words. We need to feed on his words. We need to honor his words. We need to honor his name. When you hear his name blasphemed, see that as a wonderful opportunity to say something for the Lord. Don't just think my job is to witness. Your job is to witness, but your job is to worship. Remember the temptation of Christ in Matthew chapter 4? And the devil is tempting the Lord Jesus to to follow him and to submit. And, And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. And so turn the other way. Don't even round the corner. And here's what Jesus said. For it is written... Thou shalt, what? Worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Notice that worship comes before serve. Worship is not just emotional or physical. It's a very spiritual thing. God is spiritual. A man named Fritz Kreisler was an amazing violinist, one of the very best. And he had an okay violin, but he had found a man, a wealthy man that had a Stradivarius violin. And he contacted him and he offered him a great sum, more than maybe it was estimated to be worth. And the man flatly turned him down. He made an appointment to come and see him. The man came and Fritz came and and he asked to play. And the man said, okay, you can play, but it's not for sale. It's not for sale. And Fritz picked it up gently, put it to his shoulder, raised the bow, and tuned and began to play. And it said when he began to play, You could hear the water tumble over the rocks in the brook. The wind blow through the leaves in the trees. You could hear the birds singing. And you could hear the choirs of angels in heaven singing. It was so beautiful. And he turned and saw the owner had begun weeping and crying. And Fritz said, thought, well, he's emotionally moved. Let me, he put down his bow just for a second and said, sir, 
I want to buy, I want to own this violin. And he offered him more than he had. And the owner said, sir, this violin has an owner. It's not for sale. But you're the master of it. And it's yours. And he gave it to him right there. True story. And he went throughout the world playing that one-of-a-kind violin. We are that violin. God is your maker. In others' hands, oh, it's repulsive, scratchy, and piercing. And that is what our life resonates. But when you serve the Lord God, your voice, the voice and music of your life is the sweetest thing your society will ever hear. Let's stand to our feet.